Hey everyone, welcome back to the District 3 Podcast. This is episode 139. Uh, this is Irvin. Joining me as co-host today is KUAF's Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Rachel, thank you for joining me again. Irvin, thanks for inviting me back. Always happy to be here. And today we have a friend on the uh, podcast who I've known for a few years now. I think it's now a few years. Uh, we met at that Tex-Mex restaurant yes. uh, in Rogers. What's what name? Is, what's the name of that restaurant again? I forgot what it is. But it's really good, even though on the like border. on the border. On the border. Even though I was giving uh, Madeline, who introduced us, a bunch of crap because of <laughs> like she had one place to pick for us to eat, and she took us to on the border, and and it's not even real Mexican food, but it's still <laughs> delicious. Uh, we have uh, Carla Thompson who is the executive director of Diva and Dude Outreach and Training Center, which does a lot of good work in our community and helps a lot of people in need. Um, So we definitely wanted to highlight that today. Carla, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invite, Irvin. And Carla, just to give some background information, you know, about who you are as a person, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Oklahoma. I was born in a little bitty town called Winniewood, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I call it the Blinker City. Because if, you know, from the exit to the next exit, you know, it's time enough to blink. Uh, I graduated in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Uh, so I spent most of the majority of my life in Guthrie. Mm-hmm. And you moved to Arkansas when? 1996. 1996. And why did you do that? Is I that ran away reason? from home. Okay. Yeah, I ran away from home. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. It's normal. Uh, my father was, ooh, highly respected powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm the oldest, and it was it's going to be my way or the highway. Dad, I think I want to try the highway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, a friend of mine who has now become my husband mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, was moving, and I was his transportation. Okay. And uh, once we got here, we ended up in Noel, Missouri, and I was getting ready to go home, and he grabbed my hand and said, stay with me. Best move I ever made. And you've been together since? Yep. Wow. (laughs) Uh, This year, this month, 26 years. Wow. And did you stay here because of him in Arkansas? I think at the time because of my my life in Oklahoma, I needed a change. Mm. And when I came here, um, very terrified. Uh, But I'm... I'm kind of stubborn, so some trials and tribulations, and I made up my mind, these people are not going to run me out of here. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because I was going to say that around that time, it was it was still kind of bad here, oh, specifically yeah. for the black community, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had a lot of problems finding someone to, who would rent to us, you know, mm. uh, those early years when my children came, I had to send them back to Oklahoma about two or three times because of what they were dealing with. It's it's one thing for you to go through it personally, but your children. And I thought it would be safer if they went back and stayed with my sister or my mom. You know, I was trying to keep myself from going to jail. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) Yeah, because it was really tough, some of the things that they were going through. And so finally... uh, the third time, we kind of just said, okay, I'm not sending my kids away anymore. I'm going to fight. Mm. 
Remind me a lot of the story of my friend Alice Gachuso. I'm not sure if you've if you've had uh, the pleasure of meeting her, but she's a community activist in Springdale, um, and she was the person that brought the Martin Luther King parade there. And uh, she kind of went through similar things. And we talked about this on the podcast. We went in length on this of how she actually moved for a while to back to New York because mm-hmm. she was tired of the racism that mm-hmm. her children were enduring in school. Uh, but she came back. After she saw that the community like needed her and wanted her back, and she has the m- same mindset that you had about like no one's gonna kick me out of here. Like I'm staying here, we're gonna get past this, and we're gonna make it work. Exactly. That's a beautiful thing. Um, and and you've been here, so you've been here since, I guess it's been what 26 years now. Yes. And um, and then you were you always involved in the community, or when did you start? When I was 17. Mm. So this is my 38th year's community service. Wow. I came out, I moved, I graduated at 17, moved out at 17, took in my first group of uh, teenagers at 17. I was the worst mentor in the world back then. You know, uh, finally, I, uh, they all got reunified back home or somewhere in the family. And, yeah, and I just kept going. Um, I've had a journey. Mm-hmm. I have not always been, of course, we don't, we grow into maturity and, but I was terrible. That was after I got, I was so thankful. I ended up in jail after I got everybody back home. Mm-hmm. And I was like in there, my tears were because I'm glad I went to jail and they weren't with me. Mm-hmm. That they were, you know, because oftentimes a lot of the things that we were doing, we all could have ended up in jail and I would have been responsible. So, uh, yeah, they all got back to their homes and then I went to jail. <laughs> so I was like, thank you. But after seeing I'm that gonna judge. I'm going to wait. <laughs> yeah. After seeing that judge that day, and he pulled my school records up. And he knew my dad, so that made it mm. terrible. And he, when he, if I ever see you in here again, I already had a child at that age. And ever see you in here again, he threatened me with my child. He said, and I've looked at your grades and there's no reason. And you know, who gets, who gets, <laughs> Carla, who gets arrested for shoplifting mm. with all kind of money, hundreds and hundreds of dollars in her purse? My dad was livid. It, it was, yeah. So, you know, you learn from your, <laughs> your experiences. And I'm like, no, gotta keep my child, gotta keep my child close. Um, stayed in welfare for a long time, struggled a long time. Uh, even in struggling, I would take my food stamps and pull out the grill in a minute and feed the people in the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Crips on one side of me, the Bloods on the other side of me, and they always seemed to fight in my yard. And so I ended up becoming a makeshift nurse bandaging, peroxide, oh, this is going to hurt a little bit, hold on, (laughs) alcohol, you know. And during that time, I just went back to what I knew my family to do when we wanted peace. Mm. We cooked. So I pulled out the grill, some some ribs, some uh, baked beans, potato salad, and some bread. It didn't matter that the crib sat on one side of the porch, (laughs) the blood, and we just fed them. Mm. And it became... A peaceful thing in the neighborhood in my block the fighting stopped in my yard you know so uh, it became a peaceful thing and I just kept going 
Irvin, or Carla, I'm curious, you know, 30 plus years of community service, what has stayed with you from the beginning, from starting in that work, and, and what lessons have you learned throughout the way? Woo, I think what has stayed with me the most is my ability to meet people where they are, no matter what they look like, what they smell like. Uh, oh my gosh, that has been my from then to now. And I think that's part of, I think that's a gift. Everybody can't do that. We had, you know, a lot of people are judgmental when they see a homeless person. Mm -hmm. uh, also, my father said so we owned property and we had an apart empty apartment uh, next door and the lady that had the bag uh, and all her belongings in the bag and she smelled horrible, would you like to come take a bath? And you just, you know, I have a place. You can come take a bath. You can lock yourself in there, take your bath. You can sit down and rest for a couple of days if you want to. If not, okay. And then you just kind of give them, throw the ball in their court. It's now their decision. This is the address right down the street. You know, lessons in the journey, boundaries. Boundaries. Uh, I had no boundaries. I'm still working on boundaries. Uh <laughs> It's tough. Yeah. When you're when you're a health bread, it's tough to have boundaries. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, from financially to, you know, time, my time. Uh, and even last night, uh, okay, it's after seven. My office is closed. Thank you. This conversation is over. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, Self-care. Mm, journey. Journey. Um, yeah, taking care of other people comes like it's innate in me. Taking care of myself is a thought process that's supposed to be followed by action. And I was like, I'm supposed to eat that many times a day? <laughs> you know, so it's been a journey. Those are my uh, people. Uh, I'm very particular about partnerships. I think that that partnerships are a very intimate relationship. I vet every partner before I send my, my, the people I serve, before I send them to a therapist, to wherever, a food bank. I go in undercover and meet these people and, oh yeah. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, you can go over there, that's fine. They're gonna treat <laughs> you like a human. But then I have a, some agencies and I'm like, no, I'm not, no, not recommending them at yeah. all. Transitional houses, I mean, I take the time to vet my partners. It's mm -hmm. important because most of the people that I work with, 99% of them have trauma. I don't want to send them to you and you traumatize them more. Mm -hmm. And it might be, you know, me protecting myself as well because the one thing that will make me rise up in some righteous indignation is mistreatment of people mm. so i'm still i don't look good in stripes uh, i don't those <laughs> jail colors i don't so it's it's more it's important for me to go vet mm. that is one of my big lessons be careful everybody that wants to partner with you might not be a good fit for your clients and you touched a little bit on this but uh where do you think that comes from then the like need to want to help people for you 
generations of helpers. My grandmother, uh, poor, you know, but rich in heart. Mm. Uh, very, very large woman. She had 23 kids. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And still had the nerves, the audacity to serve the community. She had on the side of the house, it was a little uh, little carport. And then it was uh, back then they had, it was a smoke shed where you hang up meat to cure. And on the other side of the meat, there were like cloves everywhere. And people dropped food off at her house for her to feed the community. Because grandmother apparently can cook or one of the older kids. So, <laughs> uh, grandma, my grandmother, mm. I look a lot like her. I didn't, and I knew the story, you know. She was also that teacher, you know, when it, when it was time to transition from youth into uh, my teenage years and very tomboyish. She gave me my first pair of heels and taught me how to walk in them. You know, she gave me my first dress back then. It was nothing to get a Marilyn Monroe type dress. Mm. <laughs> so, and she taught me etiquette mm. and, you know, how to sit like a lady and, she taught me how to drink out of the little cute coffee cups back in the day. Mm. So uh, it's a whole story. I wrote a book about that. So, okay. yeah, uh, but grandmother. And then my mom. My mom and my mom was a giver. Mom, I would call her a sneaky giver, though, because she would be sliding stuff to you. Baby, I need you to go down the corner and pick up this and give it to that house over there. Mm. I, I believe they need some food. That was my mother. So it was, she didn't want nobody to know it. So I started popping up, hey, mom told me to <laughs> drop this off at your house. And it's like a bag of chicken and some bread and butter and some potatoes, you know. So I come from a family of givers. My daddy was a, uh, he was not a borrow. He was a, he gave. He was a loner, you know. He worked hard because he was he. It was a journey for his life, and then when he became established, to see him give back into the community his own way, and what I do now is a lot of a spinoff of my dad, because he was a first educator in the community we grew up in. He was the first football coach of color. Wow. He held the first sit out, and that organized that. He spent, he dedicated his life to uh, working with people of color to teach them how to dress and how to speak to get the job that they were going after, you know. So he was, he was, he was, he was a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that scared me. So I was kind of, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I ran from it for a lot of years, but at some point I had to make my mind, okay, daddy, I can't feel your shoes. I got my own stilettos mm -hmm. to walk in. Mm -hmm. So what I do now is really a, I, I was raised around it. Mm. So how were your parents in regards to, did you learn from them more based on their actions than their words? Because I know, like, for example, you know, with my parents, my mom's very soft-spoken. Uh, she shows me that she loves me through her actions, not necessarily through her words. Uh, my dad was way different. My dad was the kind of person that would always, like, literally give his shirt off his back and to anybody that needed it. He would show me through his actions more than his words. Um, how were your parents in that aspect? I think mom through, uh, um, mom was that soft-spoken. Mm. Carla. You know, and she was the dainty wife, you know. If you remember the little sitcom, Leave It to Beaver, mm. that was my mom. Mm. 
And I, I, I didn't like it. My dad was the authoritarian in the house. So dad was words, you know. Uh, we weren't, because he was in the community so much, we heard about his actions. But he was words, and he was, you know, always the educator. And he would purposely give us words that, and then say, go look it up. Mm. And he kept a library in our house uh, full of dictionaries and encyclopedias. And he always challenging me, I think, yeah, me. He's always challenging me because he knew the one thing was to tell me, no, you can't do that. He didn't know you're not going to graduate because you have a child. Watch this. <laughs> and it made, it made me driven, right? So dad knew how to play me well. <laughs> uh, but mom, really, it was her, uh, her actions, her secret actions. She was always like that. Secretly giving and smiling and mm. making sure that we knew how to cook. Mom took us out to look at the different colors of leaves in the fall, Mom was really dainty. Mm. And so I'm I'm this tomboy and I'm like, I'm never gonna be like her. <laughs> I don't wanna be like her. <laughs> but as I have matured in life, guess what happens? You find this this balance in both of your parents. Mm -hmm. And so my mom likes to read books now. And guess who's reading books now? Yeah. I'm I didn't know my mom liked to read books. <laughs> so, you know, we got her audible and it's just Different little things. She's crafty, always teaching. She had her way of teaching. Dad had his way of teaching. So I think the influence came from both. Mm. I had this really interesting moment once, which I've mentioned on the podcast before, but like I told you, my mom was a very soft-spoken, well, is a very soft-spoken person. Uh, doesn't really say, doesn't really say like, I love you, but she shows me through actions that she loved me, you know? And, uh, and just in general, isn't very outspoken. And I remember one time we went to Burger King and there was a family that came in and they were trying to order but they didn't speak English. And, uh, and my mom sees how active I'm in the community. Like it's been 10 years, no 12 years now since I've been like doing a bunch of stuff. Um, and one time we were there and the family was just not being able to order because they didn't speak English. And my mom out of nowhere was like, Irvin, aren't you gonna go help them? Like, you are, you're always out helping in the community. There's people right there in front of Volunteering you. Volunteering you. And you're not, and you're not going to help them. And I was like, dang, mom. It came, it came out of nowhere because she doesn't, she's not very vocal. And from that point was like a turning point where now she's different. Now she's more outspoken and stuff. But sometimes it just takes time for, for them to be able to, I feel like a lot of us, well, me specifically, you know, being born here, I kind of was, was born here and feeling already empowered mm -hmm. from a young age. And my mom, you know, came to this country in, in, 80, in 85, and uh, maybe she didn't have that same perspective or didn't feel that empowerment herself. But now, you know, she's a citizen. She passed her citizenship yes. test, and, uh, and, and she kind of found herself mm -hmm. and is able to be a little bit more vocal than, than what she was, you know, five, ten years ago, which I think is something that's, that's really cool. Um, let's talk about Diva and Dude. I want to tell you the story about my mom. You're talking about Go the turning ahead. point, that little passive woman, that little dainty woman. Uh, <laughs> and because, you know, I'm daddy's girl, and, and I'm tomboyish, really. And I was probably about 14, and my mom is, uh, she's a little bit shorter than me. And she came out there, and I was with my friends in the yard, and she said, uh, Miss Carla, it's about time for you coming out. And I must have turned around and said something smart to my mama. 
And that little dainty woman disappeared. She absolutely body slammed me in front of all my friends. Wow. Like she, she picked, grabbed you? Like she picked you up? Oh, yeah. She picked <laughs> me up around my neck, between my legs. And like Andre the Giant slammed. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, my dad came outside laughing. She's not as dainty as you think. <laughs> and, and I remember sitting there staring at my mom like, tears. And I'm not one to cry. And I'm like, who is this woman? <laughs> Where did my little mama go? <laughs> Where did this my come friends from? were, of course, they, after the shock of it and all, they laughed. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't touch her like that anymore. Uh, now I'm really, really protective of my mom. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's an interesting yeah. move to go for though, the body. Slam. <laughs> yeah, straight for the body the, slam. That probably was not the first day I said something smart to her and <laughs> oh, walked okay. off and got away with it and just. I think she let it build She was up. waiting. Yeah, I think she was. One more time. One, yeah. She said. <laughs> I, no, I don't. Yes, ma'am. That's what she gets now. Yes, my dear. Yes, ma'am. What do you need? I will drive to Oklahoma right now to go get you a case of water. What do you need? And I'm 55. And I, from that day to now, oh, yeah, much high respect and honor. Mm-hmm. So, Diva and Dude. Diva and Dude is uh, uh, funny. I started Diva. We were absolutely Diva. Uh, our legal name is Divaology Inc. Uh, I am much the educator. Uh, and so Divaology is the study of women by women, right? And so that's why I went in with the biggest heart to teach people in Northwest Arkansas how to cook. Because a lot of the women that I was dealing with, it was like they were taking their kids to McDonald's. Mm. They lived at McDonald's, and they were wondering why they were always broke. So mm. I'm going to go teach these women how to cook some simple meals. Of course, I got a, a big mama swag on me from the country. Mm. So <laughs> I know how to feed a whole bunch of folks on a little bit of money. you know. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to go teach them some of my, what I've done to survive and get make it all right. And I went in, and uh, one day, I will not say her name, uh, we were in the kitchen. I was frying chicken at the Center for Nonprofits, mashed potatoes, and I think green beans. And I said, hey, can somebody hand me some tongs? This, this lady who was standing next to me in her 40s, she went to reach her hand in the hot grill. And I started screaming, you know, if you do, you do that if you want to. <laughs> you will never use that hand again. Uh-huh. And somebody on the other side handed me a big fork. So I, was, I said, don't you know how to fry chicken? <laughs> and she says, no. I said, where was your mama? Hmm. And uh, she began to tell me this story about her mom was somewhere getting high. Hmm. And the other ladies, I think it was like 13, in the room and I turned around and it became a conversation about where was mama because they were missing this piece of information or that piece of information about being a female all the way from cooking to hygiene so as we sat down and, and ate it became a very uh, they allowed themselves to be vulnerable and I began, the thing I was running away from, being that, giving advice, now I'm on the spot, and I began to share. Mm. 
which turned into me teaching. What other questions do you have that you couldn't get from mama, auntie, or the neighbor next door? What else you got? So the next time we sat down, of course, it was food. I didn't invite them back to the kitchen, I don't think. <laughs> I think I had a little PTSD from that experience. So it was a while before I invited them back in the kitchen. So it became classes. And me teaching them out of my own experience or knowledge. And then I began to individualize it for that person, whoever was sitting across from me. And one day, and we graduated them uh, in formal gowns. And just, you know, made a whole little banquet just for them to showcase them. And so we were starting the next class, getting ready to start the next session. And I worked closely with uh, Arkansas Community of Corrections, Probation and Parole. Mm -hmm. I was over there making my weekly visit. And one of their clients, hey, you Miss Carla? I'm like, yeah. Check this out. Men need empowering too. I want in on the next class. Uh, huh. Okay, we're starting in. It was about two weeks out. And I went and called my pastor and I said, hey, uh, Bishop, I got this dude <laughs> who wants to join the class. I'm not graduating him with a certificate that says the arts and science of divology. Mm. He said, he calls me woman of God. He said, woman of God, that's easy. DBA, your name, the Divin Do Community Outreach and Training Center. I said, what? <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> you know, follow the instruction, and within two weeks, had about six guys that wanted to be in the class. My first time having a combination, I was terrified. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> but. Was it, it all incarcerated folks at that time? All probation and parole. Hmm. Or the ladies were from Benton County. Okay. All of them were coming out to do community service. Mm -hmm. uh, and all the guys, probation or parole, we got in one room. And I don't think all the men survived it, but it became the coolest conversations in the world. And at that time, right before, somebody from Walmart College, I might be saying that wrong, said, hey, Miss Carla, we got a whole bunch of cap and gowns. And I'm like, yes. And so that that ceremony, uh, I had him come in all try on the cap and gowns, and I walked away in this that little voice in my head. How many of y'all? This is the first time you've had on a cap and gown. Mm -hmm. And ninety nine percent of them. And I turned around. I'm like, I'm not gonna let them see me cry. I'm <laughs> not gonna let them see it. And I walked all the way out the door to the park and I'm like I need to I need to really talk to the educators and this the community has failed these people you know and I'm over there ranting and raving <laughs> and uh, I said I went back in and I still had that thought I need to find out where each one of them went to school I'm going to slap the teacher <laughs> <laughs> who are these people <laughs> yes and uh, and we got through that graduation and it, it was a beautiful thing and as how I have uh, kept doing these classes, and uh, one of my volunteers, who was supposed to show up for budgeting, didn't show up. And I was like, I gotta do this class? That's not my lane. So I got in the class, and, and I said, first line, I'm reading the script. 
okay, how much income do you have? And they all wrote it down. And then I turned around, that little voice again, how much you making on your side hustle? Put a line under that. <laughs> I won't know how much you making on your side hustle. So, you know, uh, I walked around, and I'm like, no wonder we can't get you to apply a McDonald's. Mm. And I looked at, uh, it was a young lady in there, I looked at hers. I said, you know that stuff falls after a while. You're not going to be able to do this all your life. And she fell out laughing. She was a pole dancer. You know, and so I walked away. I said, how would you like for me to, uh, how about I teach some of you who are interested how to legalize your hustle? Mm. And when I said it, my eyes got big. And I'm like, how am I, I going to teach him how to legalize it? <laughs> well, of course, experience. I walked through it. The one thing I had to do when I got to Northwest Arkansas, I could not bring the same uh, side hustle. Yeah. into Arkansas because I, I'm i be honest, here's an honest moment. When I got here, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just a little old black woman over here. I will not blend in well. <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew I had to clean it up and opportunity after opportunity. And I did. I owned a janitorial service here for 23 years. Oh. And the same population I work with, was the same population I was paying and teaching them how to start their own business. And so, oh, I can teach this course. So I had to sit down and go back through the pattern of what I did. And we were doing that and still teaching the classes. So you know my heart is teaching, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so then COVID hit. Yeah. COVID, and we had just started Jumpstart, which is the entrepreneur program. And... 6% of my folks ended up homeless. Mm. Okay. And when you're homeless, how can you concentrate on starting a business? On anything. Anything. Yeah. Uh, I, had a, I had a community tantrum. I did. And I'm like, I found, I knew about this grant called Emergency Grant Solutions. If somebody in this community don't teach me how to get this money, y'all don't want my old school to come out. <laughs> And uh, a young lady named Debbie Martin heard me. It was in December, the first year of COVID. And she called with her soft voice and said, Carla, I just got the grant. Can we partner? Mm. I had known of Debbie for many years. So we partnered, and it was good timing. She gave me a crash course. She had to go have surgery. So I was honored to be able to start housing people. And have been doing it ever since. And we have now implemented, the organization is now, has two departments. We have the jumpstart side, and then we have the reset management side, which is all the classes, all the housing. Uh, we what get are out. some of the classes that, that you do right now? Oh, I, I just renamed them D-Life 101. It's just like the general life skills class. Uh, then we have uh, D-Life advanced which is uh advanced life skills and the only way you can get in that class is through uh, a drug court okay that is exclusively for drug court um is it just Bend county drug court or is it washington county washington too? county as well okay uh during this this time of covid i know it was a terrible thing but i have learned several lessons that i can reach more people online 
-hmm. and, and then I've realized that me having a brick and mortar location is a barrier to the people that I work with mm -hmm. because everybody can't get to Rogers. Yeah. So for the last probably year, I've had multiple cars going in different directions trying to serve people. Can be a little costly. So now my next goal is to be become mobile mm. and have service dates for Benton County, Washington County, Madison County, and Curl County because those are now the communities yeah. that I serve. Uh, so our footprints have extended a little bit. Um, I love what I do. I, it, it tears me up uh, since COVID. We still got the aftermath and uh, a lot of homeless in the community. Mm -hmm. So I am a regional access point, which means that people of homelessness can contact me and I'll try to help them and direct them and help them get resources and stuff. Um, so we've really grown from just teaching classes, you know. Yeah the hope to teach people how to cook and, and, you know, yeah, I get to sit down with people uh, and help them do meal plans. Do you teach men how to cook too? Yeah. Because we need it. I know I do. It's, it's all about your creativity. I am, my husband, he, he's like, oh, Lord, she's experimenting again. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah, I try to, since it, we're just at home alone now, me and, me and babe, and, and it's an adjustment for me because for so many years I've been cooking for, you know, lots of people. I've always done outreach, you know, even since I've been here, I've been back up to Oklahoma City to do outreach programs. Uh, I love people. I love knowing that people can uh, go to sleep, one, clean feet and a full belly. Mm. You know, uh, I've always been like that, you know. Um, uh, so that's what Devin does. It's kind of like depends on who comes and what they need. If I don't know what I'm going to call and ask somebody, you know, if it's not in, in my wellhouse, uh, most of the time it is. Sometimes, you know, a few times it's not. I like to be able to, I've had so many women show up in my office that have had on the same clothes for weeks. And, and my thing is, oh, let me find them some underwear, you know. Uh, and when I can't give them the simple things, I'm like, okay. Let's go buy some underwear. Mm. So I don't, I don't wait on donors a lot. Yeah, I spend my own money if I have to. Yeah, you know, uh, we've I've had the honor to be able to put people in hotels during the the heat. We ran out of funding, mm -hmm. and and I'm a little I'm a little touched by that because we live in one of the richest communities. Tell me about it. And we have people out in this heat. Yeah. And when I ran out of, I think we just used our last one uh, last week because I don't, I wasn't going to do a day. They have to go for a week, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I've just been, I've been a little off since then, a little mopey, you know, and I'm like, okay, looking at my own bank account. No, Carla, you cannot afford. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I want to buy a hotel, you know, because <laughs> I will house these people. And, and then, you know, no, Carla, you're not buying no hotel. Uh, so. You have to put those restrictions on yourself because there was a time, too, where I where I put my money and then I, and then I was like, wait, other people have money, too. I need to reach out to other people because there's people in the community here that if you reach out to them, they will give you money or at least give you some resources. And I've learned to do that more than spend all my money because, you know, you need to eat, too. 
Yeah, you, you need to pay mortgage and <laughs> rent. Yes. My husband does expect to eat dinner every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, and so that's kind of where I've been the last couple of weeks, and so yeah, I'm I'm gonna definitely reach out and say, hey, can you mm-hmm. help me with this because it's a need that we have right now. We have so many newly homeless right now; it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So still back with the the teaching and supporting in the community wherever I can, especially mm-hmm. with those who are. Uh, judicially restrained mm. isn't that a nice word right. <laughs> or homeless or you know hungry uh, that's that's my lane those those are my peeps mm-hmm. those are my peeps right there and just to be able to to love on them meet them where they are that's what even do really is all about Carla if you and I talk in five years about diva and dudes what do you hope we'll be talking about? Oh, that I have uh, mm, about four food trucks, hey. uh, about four to five mm. mobile command units, <laughs> uh, yeah. and I also want I want a mobile uh, technical unit. I want a mobile unit that has nothing but laptops in it. Yeah. I want to go to the people. I want to wow. get out there in the field with them. They don't have a laptop and internet. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how to work Excel right here. Hey. You know, this is how you let's create your email account that doesn't say it, you know, booty bottoms at <laughs> you know <laughs> deep cuts at gmail.com. <laughs> you know, let's let's make you a legitimate email account that's, you know, respectful. <laughs> okay. Uh that's what I, I want to be talking like. about. Five years, you gonna you gonna be talking to Carla who is probably sitting on some beach somewhere with a laptop teaching class. Because I, I can tell you, honestly, I haven't had a vacation 30, 38 years. Carla. I, that, yeah, that's what I'm years. saying. Struggling. Uh, self-care. 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 So now I'm grooming a couple of people who can actually be the voice and the face if I decide, hey, I'm taking off for a year. See y'all. Don't call me. Are you doing anything for your mental health right now? For my mental health? Mm -hmm. So my preferred mental health uh, provider, shameless plug for Servant's Heart Outreach Mm. in Rogers, Arkansas. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Also, whenever I need to go sit on the couch. Cool thing about my partners. When I need to sit on the couch, I can go sit on the couch. When they need to come sit on the couch. They come sit on the couch. Mm. Uh, we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. It's it's a small group, very small group of us that I can really say are my partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can go and scream. Um, I do take time out, especially during COVID. And one thing I know, if we lose our community leaders, our community's in trouble. So out of my own funding, I put together some paint parties for us to go do silly things, some leaders. And so we can really not always be bogged down about the heavy things. We need to have fun as well. Mm-hmm. I would do luncheons and, and have some good conversations with a big group of ladies and say, where does it really hurt? Because even though we're leaders, we're still people. And it is very mental health is very important, yep. very important. So uh, I take that to heart. So my degree is in mental health. I have my, well, 
I have an honorary doctorate at this time. <laughs> so I am now Dr. Carla Thompson. But my uh, master's degree is in mental health. And when it was time for me to go get licensing, I got I turned left because of what I do now. I didn't go get my LPC license. Mm -hmm. And that was not, and I really understand that I'd probably get in trouble uh, with all the rules and regulations because I'll hug somebody. If they need a hug, I'll hug them. You know, and you're not going to tell me how to love old people, you know, so. Uh, Isn't that crazy, though, that you have a master's on, on mental health, but you haven't taken a vacation in 30-something years? Yeah, it is. You know, I do a little mini vacation. I'm, I want, I'm talking about a vacation to me is where you absolutely throw your phone in the water. Yeah, <laughs> You know, gone. or you leave it at mm -hmm. the house, you know, or it's at the bottom of your suitcase turned off. So yeah, I went places. I love to go to my mom's. My phone doesn't work there. Mm. It doesn't work there. At all. I have to go funny. Uh, Green Acres. Maybe they had to go up the telephone pole to use the phone. I have to go up the hill about uh, about a mile mm. and get up the hill. And I'm standing there. Yeah. Ho hold on. You know. Can you hear me now? <laughs> you know. Uh, so I love to go to mom's. And mom is also my It's home. That's I, I can go, you know, take off the shoes. I walk around barefoot in the grass. And she's trying to serve, baby, have you tried this this water flavor? You know, <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> Mom, what are you drinking these days? You know, you kind of looking at a strange, like, Mama's in her 70s, like, water flavor. <laughs> How much water are you drinking? Have you been sleeping? And I have to go through all that. But I'm walking around barefoot. She was staying in the car, you know, and it's sitting outside. When I go home, the biggest struggle I have is I come home tired because I'm doing this all day long with every car that waving at every car that comes by, <laughs> and my arms are tired. And you ask, Mom, who is that? She said, oh, baby, that's your cousin, da-da-da, <laughs> on your uh, daddy's side. And, he, and you have to go through all the generational, you know, lining. Okay, and then five minutes later, and she said, okay, you know that's your cousin from da-da-da-da-da. They down here visiting. And I'm, so you're tired that yeah. way. And then I'm like, okay, mom, I'm going to take a nap. And my nap and, and temperature and mom's temperature, she likes it like 80 degrees in the house. And I'm like, I'm sweating. And she's like, baby, they cold in here. <laughs> and you're in there. And then I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm going to go to Paws Valley and get me a hotel, okay? <laughs> and she says, all right, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, did she do that on purpose? Because my, <laughs> I'm invading her space, you know. Uh, so I'll go get me a hotel. I'm like, yes, look. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's my little mini vacations. But I want to go really a vacation, no phone. You need one. Please take one. I'm planning on I think it. It'd be good. It'd be really good. I feel like. Um, we need to force ourselves, mm -hmm. specifically when you're in this work that's so emotionally draining. Like you need to like make a time, force a time, and know that you deserve that time for yourself and for you to feel better. Yes, you probably heard this a million times though. People probably tell you that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple. Of, I have a couple of girls in my circle that will run me away, and they like, and I know they're sitting there saying, "Take her phone, <laughs> take her phone." Yeah. Uh, then she could rest, but yeah. Mm. And I'm, we're working. I promise this year I'm gonna take a vacation. Okay, you said it. Next time we have this podcast, we'll have a podcast next year. And I'm gonna ask you. We're gonna hold vacation. We're gonna hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and where can people reach you? Uh, you have a physical address in Rogers at the moment, right? I do. Twelve hundred West Walnut, 
uh, Rogers, Arkansas, 72756. Uh, we're at the Center for Nonprofits. Okay. On Walnut? Uh, on Walnut. Yeah. Uh, I am in 1500 is our main suite right now uh, as we transition into being mobile. I do have another office in the building, but I cannot remember the suite number right now. <laughs> uh, so... And y'all are on social media too, right? You're on Facebook? We are on social media. Uh, I'm not a big Facebook person, but if that little message indicator pops up, <laughs> I will respond as soon as I can. Uh, one of my goals also is to bring in some support. Social media support? Yep. Social media, admin. I'm really trying to, uh, at this time, grow as an executive director. Mm -hmm. I've had my hands in it for a lot of years. I need to put my hands on it now. Mm -hmm. And then I need to move my hands out of it. Uh, my hope and desire is that this does become legacy mm -hmm. for this community. I'm really, uh, I'm not sure that anybody does what I do. I don't think so. I do, you know, because I strongly believe community service should not always be manual labor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so me being an educational junkie, I use, I utilize education as a way to give people community service hours. Some judges don't like it, but I don't care. Mm. Because I think it's important for people, the the one place of empowerment, you got to know who you are. When you say some judges don't like it, I'm, I'm like, Bank County, you're probably talking about Bank County, but uh, <laughs> where, where can people uh, reach you? Uh, like, do you have an email or a phone number you can give out? ACT at resetmanagement.net. Okay. That's the email we're going to use. The phone number is 325-261-3482. Okay. Well, yeah. there you go. For anybody that's listening that thinks that they might need these kind of services or you want to refer someone to Diva and Dude, make sure you do that. Carla, thank you for uh, coming here today and spending some time and educating people on, on what you're doing. We appreciate thank you. Thank you for having me. This is fun. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. I think that's that's a lot for, for – I'm glad that you're thinking about, like, building a bigger team because that's a lot for a person to a do. A lot on one shoulder. I have a few contractors, so to help me. So that's I'm good. not there out go. there all the way by myself. So. That's good. I'm glad. No, I didn't mean to leave that intention. But, yeah, <laughs> I do want to grow a little more. And I, the other thing – Mm, thus far, everybody in my organization that contracts with me or works with me is lived experience. Mm. I think as we grow, though, I'm going to have to modify that unless I find some, you know, all been homeless, so have I. Mm -hmm. All experienced some sort of poverty at some time in their life. So we're all lived experience. So, And I think that is what helps us be more effective because we absolutely understand where they're coming from yeah. and where they are. Well, thank you once again. You're doing so much important work in the community, and I feel like you're going to be able to touch even more lives in these upcoming months, upcoming years to come. And I'm excited to, to see, you know, five years from now, like Rachel asked you, where you're at. And hopefully we can continue to work together, whether it being Diva and Dude Bell Project or just Diva and Dude and the us as individuals. Okay. Um, and Rachel, thank you for joining us today. And for Carla, thank you so much. I feel like I could pick your brain for so much longer, but okay. <laughs> let's get together. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, thank you for joining us here in the Furman Gardner Performance Studio at mm -hmm. KUAF, and, yes. and thanks for a great podcast. And thank you all for listening. That was episode 139 of the District Three Podcast. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs>